Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We as people often talk about losing things. It's a word that we toss around that means a number of different things. If I were to tell you it's one thing to lose a penny, you're going to say, well, yeah, it's not really much lost, right? If I said, well, in another way, you lost a $100 bill, that has much more value to you, and now you might be a little bit more concerned. But there's another way to talk about things lost. Sometimes we'll say, well, I lost my job because it was sent overseas. Did you really lose it, or was something taken from you? That's another sense in which we use the word. But there's probably little hope in getting that back, like you would scour your house for a $100 bill. But there's also another way, a loss as in giving something up, that you lose it on purpose. And that is what I want to speak about today. St. Paul says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. I tell you that there are certain things that you may never get back in this life, things that you will purposely lose, and you will count them all as loss for the sake of gaining Christ and having more than a hundredfold return to you in the life that is to come. Tonight I wish to go through some passages in Scripture that will help you understand what these two apostles did what they gave, what they gave up, what they were willing to lose to gain Christ. In Matthew chapter 19, Peter said to Christ, See, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? Jesus said to them, Truly, I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne You who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my namesake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. What is it that our Lord says must be lost? What must be given up that cannot draw a divide between you and following Christ? It cannot be your family, your wife, your husband, your children. It cannot be your possessions, your land, or your job. These things, the Lord says, you must count them as loss. If it is for my namesake. But whatever you lose in this life, you will gain in the life to come. Peter struggled with that. Peter did struggle in his life in many occasions, even denying he knew the Christ. But that did not mean that he would not, in his day, at the Lord's appointed time, give up his life as a martyr and be sacrificed to seal the gospel with his blood. He did so knowing that whatever he lost in this life, he would gain in eternal life to be with the Lord 
in eternity to sit on the twelve thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel as the Lord had spoken. In John chapter 21, when Peter is walking with Jesus after the resurrection, Jesus asked Peter, he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, You will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. From Sunday, I told you that love and mercy are particular. Mercy is God's compassion towards us. The love that we have of God is sacrificial. When Jesus asks Peter, does he love him? It is a sacrificial love, a love willing to lose, to lay down a life in order to care for the flock. As Jesus teaches, the hireling cares nothing for the sheep, and when he sees the wolf coming, he runs. But the good shepherd does not. Peter was to emulate the good shepherd to stand in the flock and tend the sheep and the lambs with his blessed word. He was to fight off the wolf with the very words that Christ gave, to tend the flock. And he would do so. He would preach the word boldly and be hated for it. He would be imprisoned. He would not receive the great reputation of many. Peter would die a martyr. He was most likely crucified after he was imprisoned under Emperor Nero before the fall of Jerusalem. Peter followed Christ till his death, but now he has gained eternal life. He has gained more than all that he gave in this life. As Christ our Lord said in Luke chapter 9, whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. As we see St. Peter, he found his new life. He found the life that went following Christ all the way to the grave and through the grave and into eternal life. But who can give such a bold faith? Who can help our timid hearts, to overcome all of the fears and the anxiety that we have to stand firm on the rock of Christ. Who can do that except God alone? We read in Psalm chapter 27, or Psalm 27, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, 
my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. We as the saints of God must pray that the Lord bless us with these hearts, the hearts not of timidity, but of boldness and courageous love for our neighbor, that we would be willing to share the gospel. He must break our anxiety and our fear over sharing the gospel, over following the way, the truth, and the life. Christ to our very grave. I don't say that you must go looking for evildoers to eat up your flesh. I'm not saying that you need to go out and put yourself in harm's way. That is not what is being talked about here. Not even Peter and Paul went out looking for dangers to show their devotion to God. In fact, at multiple times they were escaping danger. Paul himself having been let down in a basket to escape. But does not matter. When they were in captivity, what did they use their time to do? They used their time to preach the good news. Even when they were in the jails, when the, the, the jails became unlocked, instead of escaping, they preached to the jailer and they baptized his whole family. Never a missed opportunity. But everything they thought they had lost, they gained far more because they had made friends through Christ. And those that they made friends with would welcome them into eternity. It didn't always look so wonderful, though, to live for the name of Christ. Not a very glamorous or profitable endeavor. In fact, just as Jesus had spoken to Peter about what sort of death, he also would speak about what St. Paul would go through right after Paul was struck by flashes of light and sent to Damascus, blinded by our Lord, he spoke to Ananias, who was a disciple of Christ, and he told him that Paul had seen Ananias in a vision and was waiting for him to come and lay his hands on him. But Ananias answered the Lord, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. It was always a part of St. Paul's journey from the very beginning that he would suffer for the name of Christ. But thanks be to God that he did. For through St. Paul's sufferings, we have some of the greatest epistles to give us comfort in our trials, in our temptation, in all of the suffering that we must prepare ourselves for or are in the midst of right now. We read from Romans chapter 8. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the present sufferings of this time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. 
for those who are called according to his purpose. We suffer knowing that we will be glorified with God, not just raised up, but glorified with the Lord, far above any earthly glory or fame. We shall be with Christ, seated with him in the heavenly places. To go on from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. By the very sufferings that St. Paul endured, and he and everyone that traveled with him, he was also comforted, and that same bit of comfort that he received, he shared with the saints. That's what you have today. That's what you get to carry with you through every hospital stay, through every treatment that you have to go through, through every death of your loved one, through every suffering and loss of things that you must give up for the name of Christ. There you will share abundantly in Christ's comfort too. But know that it will not be easy. Nobody sugarcoats it for you, at least not in the church. St. Paul said it as much. We do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Know that. Know what, what St. Paul speaks here is so important for you. It can feel like you have received the sentence of death in this life, but do not despair. Do not give up hope. Turn your hope to Christ, for he will deliver you just as he delivered them. He will bring you out of this earth, out of all of the miseries and tragedies, out of all the suffering. It won't be easy, but surround yourself with this body of Christ. Ask each other to pray, to pray for you. Don't just say, would you just pray for me? Give them something specific. That when it is accomplished by the will of God, you may give thanks for the Lord's deliverance in the prayers that he has answered. When you set your hope on Jesus, there is nothing, nothing at all that can destroy you. There is nothing that can destroy the faith that he has planted in your heart. There is nothing that can remove you from the Lord. 
when they suffered to the point of feeling death's sentence. He said that was to make us rely on the God who raises from the dead. That's what we need to remember. So what if they come for our bodies or for what we have? Let them take it. Let these things all be gone. I have the God who can raise the dead. I have the God who gives more than I ever ask for. The God who will return more than I've ever deserved. St. Paul had every reason to want in this life a reputation, a name for himself. He was a well-educated man. He had plenty to live for. But he says, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may obtain the resurrection from the dead. So I ask you, how much are you treasuring what you have in Christ? Are you counting, are you willing to count everything that you possess as rubbish, as trash? Forsaking it all and ready and willing to leave it all behind to have the resurrection of the dead. That's that's what this is about being in church, being strengthened by the word is because the temptation is real. The temptation to be at ease in this life and to give up the suffering with Christ, that is a real temptation, not only for the apostles, but also for us. Our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. We must pray to God to give us the hearts of boldness, that we are ready to count it all as lost so that we may gain Christ, be found in Christ, have the righteousness of Christ in faith, and be counted as among the living and not the dead. For the Lord will raise us on the last day. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord.